Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm the DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who I saw drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's, and his hair was perfect. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, I had to throw that out there because you don't have any hair. Well, when there was a Trader Vic's in Seattle, I did so. Can't have messed up hair if you don't That's have hair. True. That's true. <laughs> it's perfect. And it's just really, really short. Yeah. All right. For this episode, we have a special guest who is a uh, musician and um, I guess he's a podcaster. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, his <laughs> most recent record is called Stages. He's the man behind the hashtag John's Twitter listening party. Please welcome to the podcast, John Porabil. Thanks for having me, guys. So welcome back. I guess I could say you're a repeat revisitor because you um sort of yeah you you pinch hit for Wayne who was on one of his many vacations was happy to do it yeah <laughs> I'm trying to remember which Patty Griffin record was it because we've done three the, of those the first one um, living with ghosts that's it that's it all right because we've done three Wayne do you realize we've done three Patty Griffin <laughs> I, episodes I, I have uh, Silver Bell and. Uh, Thousand Kisses? Yeah. Also. And we've done three Neil Young episodes as well. That doesn't shock me. But we With still you. haven't done we still haven't done a Stones episode. I know, it's ridiculous. So if if there's any guests out there that want to pick a Stones record, we're we're totally down for that. What what other guests are, I think are we missing? We we finally did a Bowie episode. We finally did a Beatles episode. Um got another one coming up we got with beach boys is finally happening um pink floyd we haven't done any pink floyd have we yeah i could always use some more billy joel true true (laughs) and i was kind of expecting you to pick pick that but you didn't i'm talking about them on it i'm talking about billy joel on another podcast coming up pretty soon i'm trying to spread it out a little here there we go um i totally jumped the gun didn't i wayne I haven't I haven't done our t-shirt question um, <laughs> so that's the all-important question so Wayne what t-shirt are you wearing tonight uh, for all the exotic exotic locales of this record I'm wearing my Cabo Wabo uh, Cabo San Lucas t-shirt all right excellent John how about you what t-shirt are you wearing I'm wearing a t-shirt from February album writing month. I think I picked this one up in 2009 or 2010. Uh, it's the, the special amp from, uh, from spinal tap, except it says this one goes up to 14 because February <laughs> album writing month is all about writing 14 songs in the month of February. Oh, okay. All right. Eh? That's kind of like, um, nano rhymo for us writers. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. Seems like a sore subject. It is a very short subject. Uh, I didn't, you know, Wayne, I didn't even sign up for this November because I just, I start, I looked at our schedule. I looked at our schedule of recording and I'm like, oh, nah, I'm not even going to tr- attempt I was it. surprised. I didn't see anybody so. talking about NaNoWriMo until like two days ago when it was already basically over. Really? Well, maybe, maybe everybody else is just like, I don't have any creativity in 2020. So I'm not even going to bother. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I just knew I was busy, so I just didn't even attempt it. Because I, I tried to I tried to sign up last year, and I think 
Wayne, what did I tell you? I think that I wrote like 2,000 words that whole that entire month because it just I got consumed with with taking care of the podcast. And you're supposed to write 50,000 words. I, I topped out at, I think, 3,500 one year. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know, you know what I'm talking about. My wife roped me into it. <laughs> is she a writer? Well, she's now my ex-wife. Yes, she is. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, let's not talk about those sore subjects. I won't um, say anything mean about her, but yes, she's uh, a writer. Okay. I guess that is saying something mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> depends on your perspective. I didn't even say what my t-shirt is. So um, going back to what I was talking about with Neil Young. So I'm wearing my Neil Young Harvest t-shirt again. There needs to be some kind of, of line of t-shirt manufacturers out there that does a cool line of Warren Zevon t-shirts. The Warren Zevon t-shirt would just be a Heather Gray V-neck. With no imagery on it whatsoever. That's true. I, that I have seen uh, from Bathroom Wall, they have uh, like a Lee Ho Fook Chinese oh, restaurant. Nice. Uh, oh. He didn't make that up, though. That's a real place. No, it's a real place. Like everything in that song is is real. Of course. Yeah. Tra- Trader Vicks. Should I just have gotten a Trader Vicks shirt? Yeah. <laughs> if you could, yeah. I don't even know if it's still, if they still exist. The, the inventor of the Mai Tai. Yeah. Oh, really? Huh. That's what they claim. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. All right. Um, so, so John, uh, we're going to talk about your record. That's why you're yep. out here. You're, sure uh, is. You're promoting, promoting stages. God, I made an album. <laughs> you did. Wait, is this record number what? Number one? It's the first one I've recorded under my real name. I used to have a stage name. Okay. And the counting before that gets a little hinky because like I was putting together compilations of songs in high school, but I don't really think about those as like real albums. So I guess the first collection that I would really consider a real album, uh, I put together in, in 2009. And so this would be number four for me. Are you not going to say what your stage name was? It was John Eric. It was just my first and middle name. Okay. Uh, the, the trouble is there were other people who were trying to claim the same name. So if you look yeah. me up on Spotify, you'll see not just one, but two other people. So there's a, there's a, a, a Mexican American cantador and, uh, there is a, uh, a guy from Arkansas who plays the banjo really well. Uh, oh. okay. and so eventually I just decided to, uh, shed the pretense and go by my real name. The only reason I hadn't done that before is because I feel like, people I've never met before have a hard time pronouncing the name if they see it written and they have a hard time spelling it if they hear it. So, um, poor bill is P as in Papa O R O B as in Bravo I L. Yeah. I get practice with that when I'm reciting it out to, uh, <laughs> customer service representatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <sighs> When we started the podcast, there was somebody who said, well, you're not using your real name, right? And I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and, and then I, and then come to find out, uh, one of our, one of our podcasting brethren, um, you know, he reached out to me a couple months after we recorded with him and he said, Hey, just so you know, I sent you a Facebook, uh, request friend request and it's with this name. 
And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, um, the one that I use for the podcast is, is just a stage name. And I'm like, okay, that, so that really does exist. All right, cool. And maybe, maybe every, every podcaster that's out there is using a stage name. Maybe Mark Marin, that's not really his name. <laughs> yeah. It turns out it was Mark Marinowitz. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Changed it at Ellis Island. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, uh, the Montgomery's changed on Ellis Island when they came over, it was IE at the end. Oh. So I'm, I'm sure that I'm somehow connected to Colin Montgomery, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I guess it's a good thing. I like the guy. Got a little bit of a temper, just like me. <laughs> so I don't know where we're going with this. Um, oh, we were talking about your record. Oh, right. We're distracted tonight. Can, can you tell? It always makes for a punchy... Uh, recording with a lot of personality. There's going to be lots of editing for this episode. I can already tell. Wait, uh, you guys edit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why we're still in existence, John. That's why our <laughs> podcast is still around. Ouch. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That's, that wasn't nice. No, but I do want to do want to talk about the podcast thing. I don't miss the editing. Wayne, is it the editing or is it the scheduling the guests and having them reschedule on me? That's that's the worst. I don't. I would say it's it depends on the subject. You don't like to reschedule people, but you also don't like to have to edit people's uh, chewing and stuff like that. Yeah, some editing is easier than others. I have had to do some of that. Yeah. Well, I have a podcast, or I had one until very recently, called Play Disc, a uh, format not too different from you guys. You know, we, my brother and I would sit down and we'd spend an hour or so talking about an album. And uh, sometimes we'd have guests, sometimes not. Cool thing about that format was that we didn't have to worry about wrangling guests all the time. That, that was a dig on us. But when- yeah, it was a lot of work. and <laughs> <laughs> No, it really wasn't. <laughs> uh but yeah, we recently hung up the shingle and, and uh, I decided to put it on hold indefinitely. Might come back, might not. Um, you know, my brother basically came to me and he said, I dread listening to music now since we've been doing this because it has like changed the way he, he deals with music. And, uh, you know, I understand that. Um, I was always more passionate about the music and the music criticism. And, uh, you know, without him, it it's it's all became a lot more work than I was willing to put in at the moment. I even reached out to, um, so we had Lane from Melody Motel on what, three or four months ago, Wayne, we did a guided by voices episode with, with Lane and, uh, he, he hung it up as well. So, and it was a right, right around the same time that, you know, you messaged me and said, uh, you know, my brother is, thinking of bailing on this and uh i reached out to lane i'm like hey i think i got a gig for you and uh, he was like nah i think i'm (laughs) i think i'm done and if you go out on any of the you know the podcast providers it's it's hard to sustain it like there's there's a lot of podcasts out there that had a good run of 10 episodes 
I was looking at the stats. Most podcast, like the majority of podcasts don't make it past four. Really? Yeah. Like most people who try it get less than four episodes in before they're like, never mind. This is way, way more work than I thought it would be. Well, forget about it. What were they expecting? Like, were they expecting I'm going to make a podcast and then all of a sudden I'm going to have thousands of listeners immediately? I guess it depends on what kind of podcast they want to do. Because, like, I, you know, a lot of podcasts are are just your favorite stand-up comedians in a room riffing off each other. And it just sounds so easy. And I guess a lot of people probably think, oh, well, if I just talk for a little while, it'll be great. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, I have to edit. Oh, sometimes I have to like schedule guests or maybe they get up in front of the mic and realize, man, I said everything I wanted to say in the first episode or so, or I don't have a format or I don't know, yeah. all kinds of different reasons that people might have unrealistic expectations. You know, I like to think I went in pretty clear eyed, although I did underestimate how much time editing would take. Um, so that was no fun. Yeah. How, how long did it take? Cause you, you had what about an hour, hour length episode. Yeah. I have very aggressively targeted one hour as a maximum length. And I think we only topped it like twice. Um, and you know, I mean, a lot of times it was easy to find like conversational cul-de-sacs, things that didn't go anywhere. A point that I brought up that upon listening was like, man, I shouldn't have even said that. That was boring. Uh, but a lot of time it was just like finding, you know, cutting, uh, you know, filler words and, uh, you know, so maybe times that my brother or, or I said something impolitic that we regretted saying and was like, can you just cut that? We shouldn't have said that word or that kind of thing, you know? Um, and end result was an episode of about an hour and editing it down to down <clears throat> and editing it down from whatever length it was when we recorded down to an hour could take anywhere from three to seven hours of editing work, which I took on assuming that my kids would be in school and then the pandemic hit. And you know, here we are. You're being student teacher at home. Yeah. 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 It's nice. I mean, we're, we're lucky enough. My wife works full time from home. So we were able to pull, you know, my daughter's elementary school offered the choice of, hybrid, which is two days in, uh, two days in school and three days at home or just full remote learning. And we went with full remote because honestly, I don't think any schools should be open right now. I think it's irresponsible, but, uh, you know, so, you know, we've got her in full remote and that's, we're fortunate to have that option. We're fortunate that my wife's employer has been really great about letting her work from home hundred percent of the time as well. Uh, we're fortunate enough that I didn't have a job already so we could pull my little one out of daycare and now i'm his daycare yeah but it's tiring and it doesn't leave a lot of room for what was supposed to be my uh, my side hustles you know yeah going back to what you were saying of um your, your brother saying hey can you remove that wayne have you ever told me hey would you no. um would you remove that thing that i said no yeah. I'm asking you to keep some stuff in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever edited myself to that. Ex- I have edited out some boring stuff that I've said. Yeah. That that's inevitable. That that happens every few episodes. That I'll say some really boring stuff and I'm like, "Why did I ask that?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With us it was never like 
oops, one of us said a racial slur because we're not those kind of people. But it is like, but it is like, oh, that was that was maybe less sensitive than I realized. And in retrospect, listening to it, I can hear how somebody might be offended. So let's cut that kind of thing. Yeah. And and I think we've been pretty lucky with the guests as well, Wayne. I've we've only had two instances where the guests have come back and said, hey, do you mind if you edit this particular thing out? One of them was that I ended up cutting out. And then one which I was like, that wasn't offensive, but he said something. He <laughs> said something in regards to um, Weezer's cover of Toto when we were still asking the Toto question, and and oh, uh, maybe maybe he was worried Rivers would hear you. Yeah, yeah. So he he asked me. He's like, I'll go on record and say I don't like that cover. Yeah, uh, that's that, and that's fine. And Wayne will <laughs> Wayne will go on on record as well. So. <laughs> We had a whole episode where we kind of took Weezer to task, actually. <laughs> On which which record? The blue record. The blue album. Really? Rivers. I mean, the, the real question when it comes to the blue album is whether or not Como is playing a character. Okay. Because if, if you assume he's being ironic and playing a character, then he doesn't say anything offensive, really. But if you don't, if you think, man, he really thinks like this, he's very possessive and creepy about <laughs> the women that he's uh, attracted to. Okay. (laughs) And so we kind of talked about some of the ways that like uh, in, I would say you could go listen to the episode, but I haven't re-uploaded it yet. Um, (laughs) uh, We talked about how like in the nineties it was, you know, being a nerd rocker and you know, he's got the buddy Holly glasses. He sings about D and D. So it's like, this comes from this place of being vulnerable and being like the underdog and whatever, which kind of masks the fact that a lot of the language in the album is creepy. Like I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. When I'm away, she puts my makeup, she puts her makeup on the shelf, uh, which for us, that was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like I you guess don't want your, you don't want your partner to have any agency when you're not around. Okay. <laughs> yeah did did you did you get any of that creepiness, Wayne? Because we did an episode on Blue. I, I agree that there is a certain amount of creepiness to Rivers Cuomo. Okay, <laughs> it's worse in Pinkerton, but we didn't cover that album. Yes, it is worse in Pinkerton for sure. That's my favorite Weezer. Album. Yes, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can like things that are problematic. I, on balance, revisiting the blue album, I did still like it a lot, but it was we we had to like acknowledge that parts of it haven't aged well. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. All right, that was what our show like. We weren't always out to slaughter sacred cows, but like in our show, we we definitely didn't shy away from voicing criticisms when we had them. Yeah. Did you, so did you did you pull the plug on all the episodes so they're not out there anymore? I did. I was paying a service to host them, and yeah. it didn't make sense to continue paying indefinitely. Okay. So uh, I pulled them down. I will re-upload them to my private web space. I haven't gotten around to doing that yet, but just for archival purposes, yeah. Um, there won't be an RSS. Um, if I might bring it back one day, and if I do, I'll put everything back where it was. Okay. Yeah, two years ago when we started this podcast. So a couple weeks into it, there was another there. There was a, a British duo 
that decided that they were going to name their podcast records revisited as well. Oh, and um, so I I reached out to them and said, "Hey, we've already got you know fifteen episodes out here. Um, at, would you mind changing your name and?" we'll have you on our podcast to promote your podcast. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at his, his listens and, you know, they may have had 10 to our right. A hundred at that point or whatever it was back, back in the day, Wayne. So I, we still had a little more clout than they did. Um, so he said, yeah, sure. So he changed the name and then, uh, like two months later, uh, they were done see one of those four episode wonders yeah. right yeah they may have gotten nine episodes in so i'll give them give them that credit so uh-huh <laughs> but yeah it's uh the struggle's real yeah it's it's hard to maintain that is for sure i mean um and wayne gives me crap all the time because you know he's like i only want to record once a week and you know we're recording well this week we're recording three times because just happen. So you can see way. how that's working out. Yeah. Yeah. So we're <laughs> but you know, we've we've kept kept the foot on the on the gas and you know we're um we're we're still having some good momentum out of it. So or at least I think I think we are. Wayne's Wayne's super quiet right now. No, I absolutely agree. <laughs> I don't I don't have anything to contradict that. I think we uh we're absolutely it's worth doing. Especially when we have a two-time MVP um, come on the podcast, right? That, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. All right. Um, stages. We haven't talked about stages. Stages, your new record. Yeah, stages is my my album. Uh, my first under my real name, John Poribill. It came out uh, just last week. You know, it was Black Friday, so I was joking to everybody. It makes a great gift for me. <laughs> If you want to pay, it's on Bandcamp, but it's also on all the streaming platforms now. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, it's on iTunes and Amazon Music and YouTube Music and Deezer. They tell me it's on Deezer. I don't know what that is. I don't means. know what that is. Uh, <laughs> it's on all the things. Okay. Uh, so you, you can go get it there. It's also on SoundCloud. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not fussed about whether or not you pay money for it. It'd be nice if you did, but, you know. Yeah. Um, it's 13 new songs. Um, most of them were written this year. Uh, after the pandemic started, uh, a couple of them predate a few. Yeah. A few of them predate the current crisis, but I think still pretty well fit in to uh, just the general spirit of, of uncertainty and anxiety uh, that I hope came across in these songs. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think they're, they're pretty diverse genre wise as well. I was really kind of flexing my, my genre muscles and, and trying some new stuff out. And I think a lot of it worked. Is this considered, do you consider this a concept record? Because I felt like you were trying to take me on a journey a little bit. Yeah, trying to take you on a journey a little bit. I wouldn't, I would stop short of calling it a concept album. Okay. But, you know, there, there are little sound effects and there's, and I do feel like there's kind of a bookend uh, yeah. between uh, the two, uh, the two soft songs that, that open and close the sort of story of the album. I love uh, Long Story it, Short, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, that one came together beautifully. Even ourselves when we're weak. 
That's about as close to a Warren Zevon song that I think you've got on the on record. that record. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> I could show you an older one that I plan on reworking someday that that somebody definitely compared to Warren Zevon, and it made me very proud. Good. Um, might hew a little bit closer, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that compliment. Yeah. Zevon's important to me. Uh, you know, I've sort of incorporated Billy Joel into my brand, but but Zevon is also very important to me. See, you know. And and you and I have have bonded over the Billy Joel thing. So um, you sure. know, we did we did one of our 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 listener or Twitter listening parties where you and I went back and forth and riffed about River of uh, River of Dreams. Yeah, River of Dreams. Record. Yeah, I'll be doing more of those. I want to do the whole Billy Joel catalog, and then now that Play Disc is over, now I'm like, I'll just go through the Play Disc list and just start doing Twitter threads about some of these. There you go. Uh, cause I, I still had a lot of albums. Like I had like observations I wanted to get off my chest about what, what of the songs on stages did you feel like you were channeling Billy? Cause I didn't, I didn't, I listened to it a couple of times and, and I didn't exactly listen to it with Billy Joel in mind, knowing that you're (laughs) the big fan, but I guess I didn't get a Billy Joel vibe to it. Yeah, you know, for some of the songs on stages, I was intentionally trying to use the piano minimally. Okay. Uh, and so that will definitely throw you off the Billy Joel scent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on a, a Billy Joel cover that I'll be collaborating with a friend on. Uh, we're, we're doing a cover of Miami 2017 and sort of nice. learning the intricacies oh, of that piano part has sort of made me realize how many of my tricks I stole from Billy Joel. Uh, <laughs> So I think even in the songs that, that don't sound quite like Billy Joel, I think you're, there's still some of his kind of songwriting sensibility that's sneaking up in there. Uh, so for instance, uh, this is fine may not sound like a Billy Joel song, but I think structurally it's very, it's very in the same vein. Okay. Uh, however, tolling bell, I think that one is probably the most directly Billy Joel song. Yeah, now that you bring that Uh, up. uh, You know, in fact, that one, I think, specifically channels Miami 2017. That's that's (laughs) a little Stormfront to me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Stormfront, I mean, I just... Did I just offend you by saying that? (laughs) No, it's not. Stormfront's not one of my favorite of his albums, but it's... uh, Yeah. It's a little all over the place. So when you say it's a little Stormfront, I'm like, well, which part of Stormfront... Uh, uh, cause try trying to write a polished pop song. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, and I hope some of it does sound polished. I mean, obviously I recorded all these, yeah. uh, you know, as I've said in my messy basement, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I'd like to think that the production quality belies that humble, uh, origin for this album. Yeah.
Um, I will say, okay, so my favorite song on your record is Rear Window. Oh, yeah. And and I think it is because you do have a little of that tongue-in-cheek Zevon lyrical thing going on. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, that it only took four years this time around for me to piss off every friend I've managed to make in this town. And then you, personal best. Personal best. (laughs) Because I'm all about Uh, self-improving. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah, that song went through some phases. Um, Rear Window, like a few of the other songs on the album, was written for a songwriting competition, and it was written under a pretty strict deadline. Uh, I had one week and also had to, uh, there was a non-optional challenge that I had to include a guest, which is how I managed to rope uh, the amazing Holly Forlone into duetting with me on that song. Uh, And so... I had this lyric and I knew it was the most important thing I wanted to save in the song. So I spent forever trying to figure out a way to work it in. Uh, and it was, uh, and it was that, uh, you know, for me to piss off everybody personal best, it was that lyric. Um, and so, you know, at first it was going to be like a parody of a, of a doo-wop song. And then it was going to be just like a, like a street ahead acoustic rocker, like, like Wonderwall. And eventually it just kind of, the more I, the more I strummed, the more it just kind of settled into this country groove. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm country now. (laughs) That's, um, that's, that's all good. You know, I thought that your, your two voices really blended well together. She brought it out in me. Like, yeah. Like when I heard her voice, I was like, oh crap, I really got to step it up now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I was uh, glad that I, it happened that way because it, you know, like that song, I was so proud of that song when it was f- first finished. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, one thing that I would tell you to 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 check out, um, yeah, if you like if you like that whole, um, you know, vibe of kind of going back and forth with with a, a female vocalist is, um, Ken Stringfellow's record called the record. <laughs> he does with um, away with names. Yeah, I know it's. Yeah, <laughs> he should work with the band. Check out check out the one song which I just absolutely adore, which is called "Doesn't It Remind You of Something." I am adding it to my queue right now. Okay, probably listen to it tomorrow. Yeah, and he has all sorts of different um, uh, guests on on uh, there. His partner is also named Holly. <laughs> yes, exactly, and that's exactly why I was why I was thinking about it. <laughs> uh, but Matthew Cause from Not a Surf is on that record. Oh, cool. um, Vicky Peterson from The Bangles is on that oh, record. Um, it's it's a it's a really interesting record, and um, maybe you'll get a little inspiration from yeah. it. So, and and I just plug Ken again because you can never plug mm-hmm. the Posies enough on this podcast. So. Right, Wayne? Uh, you cannot. Yeah, it's hard for me to listen to new music without feeling inspired in some. <laughs> he had to be prompted, yeah. so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Trevor. I'm Shane. And we host a podcast called Album Divers. We take turns picking an album to discuss and review. One of us chooses an album from this calendar year, and the other chooses an album that's been around a while. We also interview musicians, producers, and other fans along the way to help us and our listeners get the most out of every album we cover. Our show is not for the casual listener, but if you, like us, love music a little too much, 
then check out Album Divers. You can find us on all of the major podcast streaming networks. We hope to have you join us on our quest discovering how deep the music truly goes. Happy listening. So, so John, tell us what record you chose to revisit for your episode. We're revisiting Warren Zevon's second album, Excitable Boy. And you mentioned before we jumped on that uh, you you would have rather have done the self-titled, but we already did an episode on that. Yeah, we've been talking for a while about me coming on and choosing a record to revisit with you guys. Yeah. And I took forever to make up my mind about which record. And then, um, you know, finally, I, last year I was reading this very illuminating biography of Warren Zevon. Uh, and it was, it's called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah. It is an oral biography. It's composed of interviews of people who knew him and, and who were close with him. And it's all edited by his ex-wife, Crystal Zevon. It's great. Uh, oh, it's, it's an amazing book. It, it, I learned a lot about one of my musical heroes. And, you know, it's not all... It's not a hagiography, I'll tell you that. It's, um, you know, it. You you really see what was wrong with the guy too. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it made me realize I don't think I would have liked to have known him. I, <laughs> I don't think I would have got along with him. I wouldn't have wanted to hang out with him. No, no. <laughs> but I prefer but, I prefer those kind of biography. Um, yeah, absolutely. Books because. Like I just got an email a couple of days ago from uh, the Cowboy Junkies. I'm there. I'm on their mailing list, and they were touting um, here. Here's a, a book that's sanctioned by the Cowboy Junkies, and it was written by such and such. And I'm like, if it's sanctioned by you all, you're only going to say the flattering stuff. I'm not super interested in that. Like I want, I want to see. Yeah, you want the unauthorized biography. Right? Yeah, I want, I want to see the human, the 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 human part of you, mm-hmm. the the warts and all. I want to, you know, Zevon is such an interesting character in that. Yeah. Um. Had he not gone through all the crap that he's gone through, I don't think you would have the music that we have of him because it's it's raw it's vulnerable it's it's um it's maybe overtly honest at times as well yeah Um, you know one interesting tidbit from that biography was that uh, when he was still with crystal before he recorded his debut album he went to work with a vocal coach and she described the way he described these vocal coaching sessions that it was more like therapy and primal screaming than actual like singing lessons. <laughs> and I was reading that, like, is that guy still working? I it sounds like, like I would love to have a session like, that. <laughs> like work out your demons and find your real voice through that method. Like, I don't know what that's called, but uh, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That said, look, he was not, he was a very flawed human being. Yeah. You know, he did a lot of bad things. He was destructive, especially when he was, you know, when he was on his alcohol benders before he went clean. He would destroy property. He would throw temper tantrums. He hit his partners. And, uh, you know, just to make it clear, like, I, I, I've struggled to reconcile, like, how am I a fan of this guy? How am I, a, how can I be a fan of, of this amazing songwriting 
without condoning that behavior. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that, but also, you know, he is also not with us anymore. So it's not like I'm materially, it's not like I'm materially benefiting uh, the perpetrator of those abuses. And I just want to, you know, insofar as like we're excitable boy, the, the first two RNZ Von records are some of my favorite albums of all time, but I did just want to make that clear that I, I don't find it a ringing endorsement of his personality. No, you know? I, I, I get that. I mean, I, I'm a big Ryan Adams fan. And, oh, and of course, man. and of course, <laughs> and of course easy. his, his name has been, you know, and he did it to himself, but it, his name is definitely sullied. Um, and it's still a little hard for me to listen to Ryan Adams. Like it, like, yeah. to, like today I was just listening to, um, Jenny Lewis's the Voyager, which was yeah. produced by Ryan Adams. And, oh, I didn't know he produced that he's all over that. Like you can, you can just, you, you kind of feel his fingerprints all over the production of that record. And so, and so part of me is like, I really love this record. And another part of me is like, but Ryan Adams touched it, you know? So, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, um, it's hard to separate that. And we, and we talked about this Wayne, when we did our Marvin Gaye record, like, mm-hmm. um, when we did, um, uh, what's going on, what's going on. Oh yeah. The Rolling Stone, number one, greatest album of all Th- time. That's, that's it. <laughs> all right. Well, do people know the history of Marvin Gaye? It's not. It, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not a poster boy. Some of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, I was listening to a great record uh, that came out this year that is is you were talking about how you can hear Ryan Adams all over that Jenny Lewis album. Uh, but I was listening to the new Mandy Moore record, and th- that album is interesting in that you can feel the absence of Ryan Adams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were partners for a while, and apparently, according to, to Mandy, he was very. Um, uh, you know, he was very dismissive of her songwriting yeah. uh, attempts and really kind of held her back creatively and professionally. And there's even a song on that new album that you can tell is just a big old Ryan Adams subtweet. Uh, <laughs> I haven't listened to it. it. And it's, it's produced by her husband who's in Dawes, yeah, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and he, he, and I think one of the other, um, uh, one of the other members of Dawes are uh, session musicians for the whole album. Okay, it sounds like a Dawes record, and I like Dawes, so that's not bad. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't but know why it, I haven't checked it, it out. It sounds, yet. yeah, it sounds like halfway between Dawes and like Linda Ronstadt. Okay, um, I like it. It's one of my favorite albums this year. All right, um, I'm gonna have to go check it out. Highly recommend it. But yeah, I mean, you talking about Ryan Adams reminded me of that. And, uh, you know, mentioning Linda Ronstadt was important because, you know, Linda Ronstadt famously covered a lot of Warren Zevon songs. And now we're back on the topic. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 and, and you know how much I love Linda Ronstadt. Oh, yes. Wayne, Wayne's given me a little bit of crap this year because I've been on a, um, <laughs> been on a little bit of a excessive vinyl, uh, purchasing oh, okay. spree with Linda Ronstadt. Um, I see. Yeah. I started. You covered out. any Ronstadt on the show? We have not yet. We have not. Oh man. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll come back next year if you'll have me, and we can talk about Heart Like a Wheel or something. 
Um, that's one of the ones I bought. Actually, so my my list my list is really short now, Wayne. Okay, here are th- here are the records because I'm not going to buy the um, the. The, the, the Spanish speaking ones, though I did buy one of them because I found it at Goodwill for a dollar. <laughs> so I did buy one of those. Um, but I'm down to Trio and for sentimental reasons. Those are the only those two. Those are the ones but you don't have? Those are the only two I don't have. Wow. Yeah. I started out with zero this, at the beginning of the year. Her discography is not insubstantial. That's quite a feat. Uh, it, there's been a lot, but you know what? I've, <laughs> I haven't paid over $2 for any of them. Wow. Yeah. Man. So I just find him at the, she is so underappreciated. She really is. Yeah. Okay. She really is. <laughs> All right. We'll have you back on. We need to, we, we definitely need to do a Linda, Linda episode. Am I right, Wayne? Oh, I, I think we'd be remiss. Okay. All right. That goes back to what I was saying earlier about. Who are we missing? I think we're missing some Linda. All right. Um, let's let's get bio info on this record. So Please. Excitable Boy is technically the third studio album uh, from Zevon. I know everybody says that. The I know this one doesn't really count. I know. But have you listened to the first one? Yeah, it's really rough. It's awful. Yeah, it doesn't have like it. Like he, he he took a mulligan. He considered the self-titled his first album. He really did. Yeah, he really did. So, so anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So this is really if you if you're if you're basing it off of Asylum Records, this is his second one. Came out in January of 1978. Um, it did it did okay. Uh, it was produced by um, Jackson Brown and Wadi Wachtel, yep. who were you know of course some of the, the, the big studio music musicians there in um, Laurel Canyon, Laurel Canyon. Why the hell could yeah. I not think of that? Um, <laughs> so, uh, and Danny Korchmar is on this as well. Russ Conkle yeah. is also on this. And this is where Jorge Calderon, yeah. uh, it comes in, into play. He's going to factor in extensively, especially towards the end of, of Zivon's career. Yeah. He was one of his closest friends throughout yep. his life and, and uh, a constant collaboration partner. Absolutely. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got for bio info. Any, anything else since you've been reading that book that's still fresh in your mind? Cause it's been, it's been, I don't know, three or four years since I read that book last. And nothing about, Excitable Boy in particular, uh, or we'll get into a couple of things regarding the individual songs that I picked up from the book, but like nothing, you know, nothing like in general about the studio sessions or anything like that. Uh, This is, it's notable, I guess it should be mentioned that, you know, that Excitable Boy uh, contains Zivon's only commercial hit song, Mm -hmm. Werewolves of London. That was his only chart hit. Uh, I don't think anything else came close even. No, no, nothing else in his career. Um, and you know, he was basically living off the residuals from the songs that Linda Ronstadt covered. <laughs> right. Uh, she did a few of his numbers. She did hasten down the wind. She did poor, poor pitiful me. I feel like there were a couple of other songs of his that, that she covered and uh, hasten down the wind was actually the title track of one of Ronstadt's yep. albums that, yep. uh, you know, Zevon was so proud of uh, her having used. 
but you know they're touring for excitable boy when uh, werewolves of london starts climbing up the charts and it was the the one thing i learned from the book was like it started out as one of those like small time tours because he was a nobody and then in the middle of the tour werewolves of london became a big hit and so he suddenly became one of those like hotel room trashing rock star guys yeah so you know carmelita she did carmelita oh okay and mohammed's radio oh i love those tr- love that trick <laughs> i think and i think mohammed's radio that isn't that on hasten down the wind no it's it's not on the hasten down the wind record uh, harrison and i did a an episode on that record okay uh so i i would have remembered that but uh uh zevon's version is, of that song is on his first album so yeah. i'm very familiar with it yeah uh, Wayne, how did you how did you um, get to know Zevon? Um, I came across the record at the library, this record, and uh, no took kidding. it home. And I had already obviously, obviously everyone's familiar with Wild Wars of London. Uh, and in fact, for years, I tried to figure out what the subtext of werewolves of london was but there isn't any <laughs> subtext uh, but i was convinced because a bunch of guys Zivon. drunk and having a good night <laughs> yeah i was convinced <laughs> because it was Zivon, there must be something he was trying to say something but uh yeah i, I have a word. i have a story about that about that idea we'll get to that uh a couple of songs into our analysis here right. <laughs> how, how did you get introduced to to him john through my dad now, I'd probably heard Werewolves of London at some point, but I didn't connect it to this guy. Um, it was around 2000, and my dad had come across the album Life Will Kill You uh, in a record store. And he was like, oh my gosh, Warren Zevon's still around? He's still making records? Jonathan, you got to hear this. And he puts on Life Will Kill You, and I'm like, who's Warren Zevon? Who, like, why should I care? And so my dad wisely uh, skips ahead to the track, uh, My Shit's Fucked Up. I don't. I don't know if you guys are <laughs> are gonna oh, have no. to dump I, that, but that's uh, my that's my theme song. <laughs> it's a story of my life. Which uh, you know, let me give it to you straight. Your shit's fucked up. Like that's, and I was like, oh my god, you can write songs like this. And so you know, I got into that album. I got Genius, which is the the best of yep. uh, that Electra put out, and um, not Electra that Artemis put out. And, um, you know, from there is started digging into the albums and through that discovery, I mean, I found a few of my favorite albums. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my introduction to Zevon is the color of money. Of course. Yeah. So there's the, the, the <laughs> famous Tom Cruise. The off parodied. Yes. The Tom Cruise <laughs> scene uh, of that. Yeah. And I remember seeing it with, uh, with my friend Tom who uh, afterwards I was like, I really kind of like that song. And uh, um, he's like, oh, well, if you like that, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. He made me a, a mixtape of, of Zevon songs. And then oh, cool. uh, months. I know for a lot of people that was their first time hearing yeah. him, but he'd been one of those like underground, you, you know, one of those kind of your favorite songwriters, favorite songwriter figures for a while before then. Yeah. And then months later, Sentimental Hygiene came out. Uh, he made oh, yeah. he made me a, a copy of that as well. And then I will have to say, um, I probably lost track of Zevon for ten years. A lot of people did at that yeah. point. And and Wayne, I have a similar story. So I checked out from the library, Excitable Boy, 
and um, I became a fan again. And so greatest hits come out of that. And um, uh, I don't know. There's the, I think I have four or five Zevons in my collection. So it's all good. Cool. I don't, I don't have any of his records on vinyl, but I'd like to. I don't either. They're all on CD. Mm. Yeah. One of these days. I never find, I never find Zevon in the record store. I think that's, uh, I think that speaks highly of him. Mm-hmm. People who have his records don't want to part with them. I've been looking. So there's, there's three things that I always look for when I go to a record store. Wayne, Wayne might make fun of me when I want to say this. So <laughs> three like things, Linda Ronstadt. not Linda Ronstad. <laughs> that's, that's bargain bins. No, where I actually go through the alphabetical. So first is I still want to get a copy of the outfields play deep on vinyl. I have it on CD and I have it on tape, but I don't have it on vinyl. Um, I never find it anywhere. Second is I try and find upstairs at Eric's by Yaz on vinyl. Never been able to find it on vinyl anywhere. And then third thing is I, w- I just want any Warren Zevon on vinyl and I never find any of those, those things. I've been in record stores and I found like the, the, you know, the shrink wrapped recent pressings Yeah, that they charge 30 bucks. I don't for, want and I'm those. Just not... Yeah. Same here. Yeah. There was one time I thought like it wasn't shrink wrapped, but it was it was a copy of Excitable Boy, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's a Warren Zevon record," and it was in good shape, so they were charging like twenty for it, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really cool." And then I looked at the back, and I saw, uh, you know, for more information, go to warrenzevon.com on written on right. the back, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I thought this was an original present. Screw this." <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's get to it. Um, we're going to go track by track. As a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Only nine. Wayne's really liking the last couple episodes that we've done because there's only been like <laughs> short ten, speaking to the point. There's only been like ten, nine or ten songs, and um, I think ten is the perfect number. Yeah, this isn't Tusk. I know a lot of okay records that could have been great if they had had fewer songs on them. Yeah, like Tusk. Yeah, I, I blame the CD. Yeah, yeah. Um, CDs, anyway. CDs weren't around for Tusk. No, no, that was a double <laughs> album. That's just, that's just yep, yep. excess. That's just cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that means top song is going to get nine points. Next favorite, eight points on down to Lowe's score of one. So that's right. Um, let's, let's start it up. Johnny's going to strike up the band. Pretty good, ready. Rock steady. When Johnny strikes up. What do you guys think about this as a album opener? Oh, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, because uh, I, I believe the Johnny is Johnny Carson. And so, uh, I mean, there's nothing closer to the American theme than Johnny Carson. I mean, not in 1978 anyway. Yeah. John probably doesn't even know who Johnny Carson is. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Ah, oh, there we go. No, I do know. I do know who Johnny Carson is. Okay. My brother and I had a, an old VHS collection of the best Carson moments. All right. Um, right. Right. They were yes. funny moments. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, uh, I think it's really like Johnny Strikes Up the Band is a real like easing you into it kind of intro. I don't think it is quite as engaging as anything else that's going to come up on this album after it. It's sort of like the shallow end of the pool. <laughs> All right. Um, Maybe. So, so, so not a big fan of this song then, John. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't do a whole lot for me, to be honest with you. I think okay. uh, the the rest of the album more than makes up for it, but uh, it, it doesn't feel like there's a mood to it. Like there's not. It doesn't seem like there's a conflict or. A, I uh, feel like it's the least personal song on the record. I think that might be it. I think that yeah. might be why it doesn't speak to me. Yeah, Wayne, anything on this one? Yeah, it's like I say, it's a lot of fun musically, but I it, yeah, I agree. There's nothing. You know, I expect it lacks that black humor, you know, and the cleverness that I expect from Warren's Yvonne. Yeah. Let's get scores then. That's John, it. John, what do you got? Uh, this is my one. Okay. And then Wayne? A uh, three. And this is my three as well. All right. Okay. Next song, Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. Blew off Roland's head. And I don't know if there is a better title for any song ever <laughs> than that. Rolling. Don't you? The second you see that title, you want to, you just want to say, what is this? I want to hear this story. Yeah. So what is the story, John? I'll tell you a story about me first. Uh, okay. It, when I was in college, I had a group of friends who would get together with uh, a member of the, uh, the uh, psycho psychology. Is that what I was trying to say there? Psychology. <laughs> um, a member of the psychology uh, faculty, uh, we'd gather in an area of the college and they'd order a few pizzas for the students. And uh, every Friday we'd spend three hours or so uh, with acoustic guitarists strumming out songs uh, that they had tabs for in a big binder. And I, it was my, f- you know, a friend dragged me to this and I was kind of flipping through the book. Like, I don't know what to play. I don't know what, what, like, you know, shy college kid thing. And I'm flipping through and I'm like, wait a minute. Did I just see, do you guys have Warren Zevon in here? They had the tabs for rolling the headless Thompson gunner. And I was like, okay, we're going to play this song. <laughs> I found something that has spoken to me. Let's, let's pick this one out. And I called the song and we played it. And after the song was over, my friend, Ben, who has done uh, album art and a lot of um, podcast art for me. There was like a, a long pause after we finished the song. And he said, so guys, what's that song about? And everybody laughed because it's about a headless Thompson gunner, Ben. What, like, what do you, what do you want from it? It's about self-explanatory. <laughs> everybody laughed at him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's about a, uh, a, a like a mercenary. You know, he was a um, what do they call him? A uh, not a, a freedom mercenary. Fighter. What is it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, mercenaries are right. Yeah, yeah. Um, profiteer. <laughs> you know, there you go. A uh, there there is a, a more like legit word for them. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, 
anyway, so, you know, and he was, uh, you know, I- involved in the wars in, uh, in, in some uh, sectarian conflicts in Africa and uh, the CIA paid one of his, uh, paid one of his compatriots to kill him. Yeah, and then Van he Owen. came back anyway. Yeah. That son of a bitch Van Owen blew off Roland's head and then Roland came back and looked for the guy who killed him. That's the story. <laughs> this has absolutely everything you want in a Warren Zevon song. It's got the, the dark humor. It's got the compelling storyline. It, it, it's a globe trotting supernatural storyline. It's, it's got drama. It's got that iconic piano lick. Uh, it's got, uh, it, it's got like two separate hooks and it was one of the first songs when I was first discovering Warren Zevon that I heard. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the guy, this, wow, this is so good. <laughs> like I was showing my friends this song to like, try to get them into Warren Zevon. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Oh, uh, like I say, I think there is a larger subtext. I don't like ghost stories. So I, I guess that's where I'm going to start this with. Um, Cause this is one of the, this one of three songs that reminds me of like a Hemingway short story, these exotic locales, men fighting wars. Yeah. Um, but I, I, my favorite line is Roland aimed his Thompson gun and he didn't say to say a word. He couldn't say a word. He didn't have a head. That's, <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's exactly. That's, that's hilarious. Um, but I think it gets too sympathy for the devil at the end when he throws in Ireland and, and Palestine and, and Lebanon. And then I don't, I, I, Throwing in Berkeley and Patty Hearst, I don't, I, I don't think it fit the the war theme. But I mean, he's probably got a a bigger concept than I than I can imagine. But ultimately, I don't like ghost stories. Okay, what's your what's your score then? I'd rather not say. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll say it. I'll say it for him. This is this is Wayne's one. Um, oh, John, what's no. your, what's your score? Yeah, if I didn't make that abundantly clear, this is my nine. Yeah, all right. And this does that is my happen five. often? Do you have some? Wow, right in the middle. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're I, we're all over the place. Does this, this does this happen often? Where somebody's top is somebody else's bottom? Uh, um, bottom I think it has. Or not it, maybe not exactly, but pretty close. I mean, people huh. listen to music differently. It's I, I get it. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's bad. I think typically with me, it has happened more often. Okay. Most notably, it happened on our Wildflowers episode when Jeff had You Don't Know How It Feels as his top score. And then Jay. What? Jay no had one, it as okay. his one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a good song, but it's not better than Wildflowers. Good Lord. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. It's It was personal. It was personal. It always is, right? Yep. Yep. All right. Next song is Excitable Boy. And this was one of the singles. Um, didn't chart. Yeah. Title track. Um, yep. B-side to it. Veracruz. Boy, if you heard, if you bought that single and heard those two songs, you're probably like, what is up with this guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, fun, fun factoid I learned from the biography is that the uh, rubbing the pot roast all over his chest 
was yeah. uh, something Zevon did. He got so excited about his wife's pot roast or, you know, <laughs> his stepmother's pot roast. I don't remember whose pot roast, but he, I he, hope that's the only personal part of this song. <laughs> do, man. It says a lot yeah, that he would take this detail about himself and turn it into like this horrifying fable of a boy who who stalks and sexually assaults and and breaks out of or gets out of prison and kills this poor girl. And well, he kills her before. He kills her at the junior prom. Yeah. He digs up her bones when he gets out and makes a Ten cake. years later. Yeah. Ten years yeah. later. Oh my God. And <laughs> As a, as a young teen, it was the message was lost on me. But, you know, in, in, in my college years, I sort of listened to this more critically and realized, oh, this is a song about how we give how we give young men a pass for awful behavior. Coming from a guy who yeah, himself I got think, a lot of passes for awful behavior. Yeah, yeah I think that I think also it's a kind of a statement on mental health issues. We don't take yeah. them very seriously. And also the one yeah. thing that it kind of. uh that I kind of got from it also is how we, we explain our kids behavior away. Like he's just an excitable boy. Mm. Um, he's, he's not, you know, he's not a bad kid. That kind of a. Yeah. yeah Cause these are just these huge disturbing images that are wrapped around this <laughs> super bouncy piano with that sax and Linda Rodstad's ooh oohs. And it's, yeah. it's just so it's such a contradiction to itself. It's just beautiful. And that's yeah, why I, mean, I, I like the song is is that whole contradiction of yeah. this is a it sounds like a happy song and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like this is not a happy song <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's got yakety sax play in there like, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it fools you it really does and if you're not listening closely as I suspect a lot of people weren't um, you might be left with the impression that this is just a fun song about a kid who gets into trouble. A yeah. little lovable little scamp and not like <laughs> an actually troubled murderer. <laughs> right. Right. It's catchy. It is. It's it totally is catchy, which is why this is my eight. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, six. And then John? I gave it five points. Uh, okay. Don't take that as a knock, though. Nope. <laughs> I like every song on this album. <laughs> nope. All good. Yeah. Um, all right. Werewolves of London is next. And this was, as you mentioned, his only, um, his only, only commercial hit. hit. Yeah, only commercial hit, and it wasn't that big of a hit. It reached number twenty-one on the Billboard top 40 so it wasn't like it was huge i wonder how much of it it was he did this song right at the heyday of fleetwood mac and mick fleetwood and john mcphee are on this particular song and i wonder if um maybe that, that that helped a little 
I just think it's lightning in a bottle. It's just one of those songs. I know he was trying to create a dance craze. It was some sort of joke between him and Phil Everly. Uh, yeah. And so the whole thing was just, I think he called it a dumb song for smart people. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I buy that. And it's, it's, it is silly. Like this is another song where you're like, what is this about? And the answer is not much really. It's just some drunk <laughs> guys having fun one night. They bashed it together over one evening. I heard that Waddy was always really kind of bitter that he didn't get like he is credited as a songwriter, but nobody talks about how he's one of the credited songwriters, yeah. how this is actually a, a three header song. If like everybody just gives Warren all the credit for it. Yeah. yeah. I know he didn't want it released as the first single. He did not. Yeah. So they didn't know. They didn't know <laughs> they had a classic on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I was listening to uh, an edition of excitable boy that has an alternate take of werewolves in London as a bonus track. And you can really hear like the structure of the song is down, but like they're kind of feeling out their parts as they go. They haven't like written out the baseline. They haven't written out the drum part. So in the alternate take, they're doing different stuff with the instruments. Uh, and that's fascinating to me. Yeah. I, did I listen to the, no, I did. It, that's the that's the same one that has his I need a truck and Tuli's blues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. I did listen to that one. I'll have to listen to that again. I, I didn't pay too much attention on the progression of of the song. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a better version of the song. I just think it's educational. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Any anything lyrically we want to <laughs> we want to say about this? Um. Little old lady got mutilated late last night. That's yeah, he picked some, some good words. That is fun to say. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. This is my go to karaoke song, by the way. This is Ugh. every time I'm at a karaoke bar, I got to play this song. I got to sing this song. I could say oh, that. And you, know, you know who does a great cover of this song? No, tell me. It's Adam Sandler. I, I was. I didn't know if the, you were going to say that from the, the freaking from that, Sandman. Uh, yeah, yeah, from Enjoy Every Sandwich. Uh, you know, he, he added a thing to this song that I hear in my head every time I hear Warren's version now, which is that suspended chord that the backup singers do. So he goes, werewolves of London. Uh, woo, that's better than what and Kid the backup Rock did singer, to me. And the backup singers are going, ah, woo, every time. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. Now I, now I got to go listen to that. I did not listen yeah. to that. The album's called enjoy every sandwich. Listen to the whole darn thing. Whole album's great. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has a, a great version of My Rides here on that album. Too. I have so heard that one. Oh, so But good. I don't think I've listened to the whole record. Yeah, All you right. should. I got homework. I got homework. Anyway, yeah. that's. I don't know what else there is to say about Werewolves of London that hasn't been said a million times already. So uh, Yeah. All right. Scores. Wayne. This is my favorite song. Okay. Sure. John. Uh, I gave it seven. And this is my six. All right. And next song, Accidentally Like a Martyr. Accidentally like a martyr. The hurt gets worse and the heart gets harder. We made mad love, shadow love, random love, abandoned love. Accidentally. Like a martyr, the hook gets worse and the heart gets harder. 
and I love this song. Um, <laughs> I just bought a um, Wayne I, at the Goodwill. I just bought a Carla Bonoff record. Oh wow! And she's on Harmony Vocal. I need to listen to more of her stuff. I really like the Carla Bonoff songs on uh, on the Linda Ronstadt record that Harrison and I covered, but I haven't listened to any of her stuff uh, as as a recording artist. In her she's own She's not as good as Linda. I will I will say yeah. that. But how many people are? And I think that that was that was the unfair comparisons that everybody made was comparing her to Linda. So she's great. She's yeah. great as well. What do we have to say about accidentally like a martyr? Ah, uh, accidentally like a martyr really impressed me uh, the first time listening to it, and, and I mean, let's be honest, every time since uh, he's really showing a more sensitive side that I think a lot of people overlook when they talk about Zevon because he's better known for his dark humor and his, uh, and of course for werewolves of London. But, you know, this is one of those ballads that, uh, that's really evocative. Um, I especially like the kind of wailing gliding guitars in the background, uh, of this song and the unexpected, uh, time signature change how it goes mm-hmm. into seven four for those instrumental sections between the verses uh it just it's well put together uh it's very i guess some would call it like workmanlike songwriting it's very functional it's it, it uh it does what it sets out to do but for me like that's very for me i also found it moving do we know if um, this when this was written because this really feels like this belonged on his self-titled record more than this record. Like this has a very desperados under the eaves feel. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I think the reason, like, uh, like I mentioned, I wanted to cover the first album, but I found out you guys had already done an episode on that. Um, and I think the reason ultimately the self-titled won me over, and, and I prefer it more to this one is because it has more moments like this mm-hmm. on it. There are a couple of tender ballads on that album. Um, it's my understanding that actually most of the songs from excitable boy came from those, uh, those self-titled yeah. album sessions that they, a lot of them were held over, uh, including, uh, the title track. And, uh, yes, I knew the title track was, and, was, yeah. was left over. Yeah. Held over from the, the from that previous album. So it wouldn't surprise me if accidentally like a martyr was yeah. as well. Yeah. It has a, I don't know. Is it De- is it Desperados or is it Mohammed's Radio feel, or maybe a little bit of both? Maybe a little of both. Uh, yeah, Desperados under the eaves is my favorite track from that self titled album. So, so you know, we'll give it that credit. It's so good. <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it credit for that. Yeah. I don't remember what I gave for that. I'll look it up once we get to the next song. All right. <laughs> Anything, Wayne? Accidentally like a martyr. You know what? I, it's uh, it's a beautiful song. I think it's one of the truest descriptions of heartbreak I've ever heard. And I, I, I love the, uh, the prophetic lines of, uh, the hurt gets worse and the heart gets harder. I had only, oh my God, the, yeah. every time this happens to you, it's harder for it to happen again. So then when it does happen again, it's even, it feels like it's even worse. Um, but like I say, when you compare yourself to a martyr, which I believe you should be allowed to do when your heart is broken, uh, <laughs> just, this is a, a beautiful song. Yeah. All right. I think Zevon himself was a little down on this one. Uh, I recall, I, I don't remember exactly what the, 
what the quote was, but there was something in the book about how like he, he thought he was, he thought he was being too clever by doing the time signature change or something like that. Hmm. And I, I remember being shocked because this is one of my favorites. of yeah, It's good. This is my seven. John, what's your score? It's my, it's my eight. All right. And then Wayne. Well, this is my seven too. All right. All right. We're tight on that one. Yeah. Nighttime in the switching yard is next. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Well, it's the funkiest track. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> By far. I mean, it's musically very interesting. Um, I love the, the reference to uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. The midnight train runs both ways. Yeah. Um, I thought that was that was clever. Did you guys realize that this was a single? What? This for was, 1978, I guess that would make sense. This was a single. The B-side was Roland. Oh my god! I I hope nobody bought this record because of hearing that single because <laughs> they were probably very disappointed. If so, <laughs> I I looked it up. Go go go! Check out there are forty fives out there of if I this song. if I were working for Asylum Records in the seventies, I would not have picked this as a single. No. Oh my gosh! Like this yeah. is like this is the crazy genre experiment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think it's the only song on this album with synthesizers. Am I right about that? I mean, it's the only one with a prominent synthesizer. That's for sure. Uh, the yeah, the definitely prominent. I don't know if that's the only one. Oh um, man, I just and, and I just wow. looked. Desperado under the eaves was our collective number one song. Yeah, not surprising. Oh, that song's so good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, two two of us picked it as our second favorite song, and then one person picked it as their favorite song. So that was our, uh, yeah, it was our number one song. But we're not talking about that one. We're talking about nighttime. I'm um, sorry about that. What's your take on it, Ben? Uh, it's not my it's not my favorite song on this record um, by 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 far. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like you, where I, I'm like, really, that was a single, really. <laughs> It doesn't do a whole lot for me. There's two songs on this record that um, this and the next song that we're going to talk about that I don't I don't particularly love. They are okay. placeholders for the two songs after it, right? In, in in my my opinion, but yeah, it doesn't do a whole lot to me. Yeah, I feel uh, like this is an easy one to dump on. Um, I I do like it. I don't want to make it sound like I don't like it because I get into the groove. I wiggle my butt when, when it comes on, but like, I understand if it's your least favorite song on this album, (laughs) because it's the least Zivani song on this album. Yeah. So, and, and I feel like it is also, it also, um, feels like it's 1978. (laughs) Like I, I don't, I don't feel like this is, this is, um, aged well yeah and a lot of the other songs on this album have aged yeah. well yeah so it stands out even more for that anyway yeah all right scores john what do you got this is my three okay and then wayne uh four 
And this yeah. is my two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next song is Veracruz. that this is my least favorite song um i did have to i did have to um, do a little research so this is talking about the united states occupation of veracruz right began in 1914 and that was uh part of the mexican revolution that happened and uh he is looking at this from the standpoint of being a resident of Veracruz was, was Jorge from, was he from Mexico? Cause he helped write this. Do no, he's Puerto Rican. Actually. He's from, he's from Puerto San Rico. Juan. Okay. Yeah. I was right there with you, man. I'm going to ask you to cut that it. out. Yeah. I might, I might cut that out. <laughs> All right. What do you, what else you guys got? Um, this is another one that's kind of got that Hemingway feel, exotic locale. Yep. Um, but it's, I guess it's too history. I think the point, in my opinion, the point he's trying to make is that these these kind of wars that he kind of referenced in Roland, the headless Tomlin gunner, have always been going on. Um, and we're, we've been more directly involved in them than, the, than I would say the American public at large is aware <sighs> of. Yep. I really uh, appreciate the sense of place that we get from both the instrumentation, those flutes uh, that that anchor this song down, and you know, setting it in Veracruz, and, and I guess I should say sense of time and place because the first line of the song, I heard Woodrow Wilson's guns. I, that's a really, to me, that's a good opener of a song. It really places you in the scene, and you want to you want to hear like what is actually happening here. What's the backstory? Because there's a lot of drama in the music and that setup. So, am, am I being unfair giving this my one? Uh, you know, it's one of those <laughs> we all listen to music differently. Uh, for me, I mean i I gave it a four. I feel kind of bad that it's in my bottom half here, but yeah. yeah. All right, and then Wayne, what do you got? A uh, two. Right, yeah. So we're- I get like if it's not what you listen to Warren Zevon for, I guess that's understandable, I guess. Yeah. All right. Tenderness on the block is next. And um, I just realized I don't have any notes on this particular song. Wayne, Wayne, what do you got? Well, this is the first song that I could hear uh, Jackson Brown. I may even be literally hearing him in the background singing, but it's but musically, I, I could hear. There. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. There. <clears throat> there. Like sure. this is the first one I could hear him on, and could tell that he was 
a part of this. Um, and like I say, as a father of, of three daughters, this song resonated um, pretty, you know, pretty vividly with me. Yeah. Did, did Jackson steal a little bit of this for Tender is the Night? <laughs> I don't know if he stole anything, but I, I think that there is something uh, in there's the There's a sentiment. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's something in there. Now I just want to do like a mashup. Tenderness is the nighttime in the switching yard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds... It, it, I agree that this the Jackson Brown is really showing on this song. In fact, I think it sounds more like one of his songs than one of Warren's. But so, I, so with that with that comment, do you like Jackson Brown? I do. Okay, and and like you're Jackson not just Brown, saying yeah. this like Wayne says he likes Christine McVie. <laughs> First of all, I do like Christine McVie. I would like to explore more Jackson Your Brown. Your scores on Tusks tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, well, that was not her best work. Okay. All right. All right. Jackson is one of those artists I want to uh, I want to learn more about. I only know a couple of his records. Um, you know where a good good place to start is? Where? Records revisited. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> bravo bravo uh, sorry <laughs> self plug i had to do that <laughs> no that's fine um yeah. two episodes we've got two up epi- two which Jackson ones Brown episodes. which ones uh late for the sky and running on empty okay yeah. running on empty is one of the ones i have in fact i have that one on vinyl uh and i'm quite familiar with that one yeah we were it's that was on our our list for play disc as well but anyway um yeah, I, I don't dislike Jackson Brown, but I also feel like it doesn't musically this uh, it feels out of place because of uh, how much of his influence is apparent on this song. And okay, um, the the lyrics definitely are um, they hit me harder as I get older. And you know, I have a daughter as well; she's ten years old. Uh, so there's there's an element of this where like, uh, let's see how, let's see how I feel about this song in a few years, maybe. But, uh, as it is, this is the one that I always forget is on this album. Like even listening through to it, I'm like, Oh, right. This song. (laughs) All right. Scores. Wayne, what do you got? Uh, five. This is my four. And then John, and and this was a two for me. In fact, I, I had it one notch higher. And on my last listen, I, I demoted it because I, I still, keep forgetting it it's even there which for me is like okay that's that's not the sign of a good song that's that and that's fine that's um that's fair you just described how i feel about veracruz right exactly cool all right well now let's get to the the good stuff right yes all right finale time lawyers guns and money And um, this is such a great song. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's my all-time favorite Zevon song, but 
Uh, it's definitely my favorite song on this on this uh, on this record. It is a remarkable feat of songwriting. There is so yes. much going on in this song, and it's just three chords and fourteen lines of lyrics, and that's it. It is so good. Yeah, and yeah, I I don't even know what to say. <laughs> that. It's just I'm I'm listening to this in in my headphones, and I don't even want to hear you guys talk. I just want to listen to the song. It'll be there <laughs> yep. when we're done. Uh, like I say, this of those those Hemingway short stories, this is the third and the best one. I love. Yep. I really like. There was kind of a religious uh, overtone to "Accidentally Like a Martyr," and I believe that he has absolutely captured the new American Trinity with lawyers, guns, and money. That's that's what we that's what we stand for, right or wrong, uh, in a lot of ways. And so he 100%. really. Uh, captures that in this song and also there's also this uh, a little bit of that kind of our kids can't do no wrong where he's you know this you know he, russian spies don't don't chase down guys who aren't doing anything it's he's not a, yeah. an innocent bystander if if that's the case um so and that's that's denial right that's the story yeah absolutely and no, he called Patsy. i was an innocent bystander but somehow yeah. i got stuck yeah okay sure do we need sure. to update this and call it Giuliani, NRA, and Trump. <laughs> yeah, if Trump had any money. Yeah, well, he's using other people's Ooh. money. He's using yeah, no, money. you're right. You're right. But no, I mean, I, this song could very well be about him, to be honest with you. I mean, like he mm-hmm. inherited a lot of his wealth and, you know, has been you know getting in trouble his whole life and kind of going from mistake to mistake. We've tried not to get it's too just, political. <laughs> I, yeah, I, we can I, cut I, that if you want. We no, can cut. I, no, like, <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I don't. I try not to write his name out when I'm on social media, just because I don't want the algorithm to find me. So uh, <laughs> I right. understand that. But you know, when it comes down to it, like this song, just like the rest of this album, it's doing this, you know, exotic locale thing. You know, um, in college, I, I spent a semester in Honduras which uh, and one of my friends who was doing the same program as me, uh, we were doing an archeological project down there. And there was one other guy who was in the program with me. who was also a big Warren Zevon fan. So we would play this song and laugh really hard when we got to the final verse. And he says, I'm hiding in Honduras. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) it's terrible. You have to be a desperate man. Right. Um, But I just love it, man. There's, there's uh, three verses in a bridge, all three verses end on the same line. So it's just amazing concision of lyrics. And he's tells, he tells this really amazing story. Uh, He has a way with opening lines. And uh, on this album, I don't think there are any as great as I went home with a waitress the way I always do. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's just who this dude is. He's so awful. And that's the joy of this song. Really is. Yep. You know what you guys forgot to tell me to do? Tell listener scores. Yeah, we've we have totally botched the, the listener <laughs> scores. Sorry, listeners. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well let's do ours and we'll get to that. Yeah. Well and then we'll we'll talk about theirs and we can, you know, make fun of some of their scores. No, I'm not gonna do that. Um all right. Uh John, what's your What's your score on Lawyer's Guns? This and is my seven, and boy, I kind of wish I could have put it even higher, but I just love the other two songs that much. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne? Yeah, I had to give it an eight, but it's my co nine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it is my nine. This is my very nine. good, very good listener score. So, uh, George Round, the Derek Careview, Mark oh, nice. Neese, Alex Alt, Kevin Peters, and Brian Cramp. Thank you all for submitting your listener scores. All right, so here's here's what we've got for for lawyers, guns, and money. You know, Derek, by the way, came out with an episode on this album as well. He released it the day after I decided to do it with you guys. Yes, I saw that, and I <laughs> refused so mad to about listen. That. I refused to listen to it. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to it. Uh, in principle, for you, John, <laughs> I, I didn't listen to it. Um, all right, so the listeners pick pick lawyers, guns, and money as uh, one of their top scores. Uh, so we've got George, Derek. And Brian all have this as their eight. Uh, let's go through their lowest scores. So um, we had four ones for nighttime in the switching yard. I'm not surprised at all. And we had two ones for Veracruz. Again, huh. I'm not not surprised at this. Um, had a lot of twos and threes for tenderness on the block. Okay. So they were right there with you. It was not just me. Yeah, it wasn't just you. <laughs> uh, top scores, George Round had Accidentally Like a Martyr. Oh, cool. D. Derek had Roland as his top. We've talked about this. He said he was, om- he was almost going to name his son Roland. I, he did tell me that. And, and then, then his he, wife nixed it because they're in Poland and it would have been Roland from Poland. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> But didn't he didn't he name it like Dylan? His son Dylan or something? I don't remember what or his Leonard actual or Cohen. Yeah. Is it <laughs> Leonard or Cohen? No, I don't know. Derek, you can I don't remember. Let him chime in. <laughs> yeah, you can you can message me and tell me that I'm off base. Um Mark Neese picked Johnny Strikes Up the Band as his top. Interesting. Um Alex Alt also had Roland. Kevin Peters also had Roland and then Brian Cramp. He had excitable boy. I will tell you this on the listener scores. So werewolves of London was middle of the pack. Interesting. In fact, Brian Cramp even had it as low as his two. Huh? So there you go. Yeah. I I think their, their top five is, Pretty similar to ours. So, any guesses on number one? Uh, I think it's lawyers, guns, and money. Yeah, it's, I think so. It's lawyers, guns, and money. And then we have yeah. a tie for second, Werewolves of London, accidentally like a martyr. Got an cool. average score of 7.33, followed by Excitable Boy and Roland. Man, you guys really dragged Roland down. <laughs> All right. Wayne did. Yeah, I at least gave it a five. Yeah, fair enough. So, <laughs> way to throw your co-host under the bus there, though. I do um, it all the time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, this has been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Really, thank appreciate you for uh, being a little more energetic than the two of us. I, I, I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> So, so tell people where they can find your 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 new record stages, where they can find. Oh yeah, absolutely. All of your happenings. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I'd be happiest if you paid money for it, but I know that that's not possible for everybody. If you want to pay, you know, go to johnporibill.com or 
johnporabill.com just redirects to my Bandcamp page. So it's johnporabill.bandcamp.com. It's J-O-N. I don't have an H in my name. Uh, Porabil, P-O-R-O-B-I-L, johnporabill.com. Uh, or just go ahead and search my name on any music streaming platform, uh, Spotify, Google Music. I'm sorry, YouTube Music. Um any of those Amazon music, it's it's everywhere now. You know, I've, I've, I paid for the distribution, so it'll be wherever you want to pull it up. Uh, and just look for that lovely uh, panel, you know, painting style artwork that my friend Ben Wright human did for the cover art and uh, you know, click on it and then you'll be in, uh, you'll be in my musical world in no time. Yeah. I'm also on Twitter uh, as at John Porabil. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash John Porabil, but, uh, I'm not as active on Facebook. So just hit me up on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can also find him with the hashtag, hashtag John's Twitter lister listening party. Yeah. Maybe we'll do maybe, one of those this weekend. We do need to do another one. It's we've, I've just been too busy. I haven't yeah. done it. So I have too, but now that the album's done and I'm, I'm wrapping up some of these promotional appearances now i'll have a little bit more bandwidth for that yeah all right cool uh so for us you can find all of our old episodes by going to records revisitedpodcast.com of course we're on the socials i'm in the facebook page and also twitter at podcast records wayne man's instagram page at records revisited podcast yeah it's pretty easy all right you can find us on all the major podcast platforms we're still out there um play disc isn't so we're still out there Uh, i know Uh, maybe we'll be back maybe yeah and of course uh go go subscribe and rate or review us all right this is the uh last part john do you remember the the outro um catch you on the beast no wait i'm sorry no 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 no. yeah no i do remember go ahead just need to say one word all right thanks for listening please go support the arts go to a live show well yeah you know the drill on that when you're (laughs) able when it's safe to be you know to to do that but in the meantime go and support all of your favorite bands and musicians by supporting their live stream events uh, I've got a couple that I that I purchased. Or buying uh, their albums on Bandcamp, or that, or that. Yeah, <laughs> if I didn't purchase a couple of live streams that I got going on uh, in the month of December, I I would. Well, actually, I don't need to because you gave me a free code. Yeah, so I, I gave you. Yeah. <laughs> I gave you a uh, an interviewer's copy there. <laughs> we did, we did. All right, and uh, be sure to buy a t shirt of the band and buy a record, and maybe one that's called yeah. um, Stages. And uh, we are Records Revisit, and we are out. Out. Out.